but that's about it. Uh-huh. I don't know if you count Alan Wake too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I um, I don't. I, maybe we could have like a ten minute segment of this. I think that'd be fun. But currently, my ranking is um, I have Reagan at the bottom because he has uh, he nearly destroyed the video game industry. Trump's second worst. Uh, I don't know who's in the middle, but I know that uh, Shrub is at the top. Uh, just for context, because I started recording mid-sentence, this is ranking presidential administrations by what video games came out under them. Yeah. Yeah, Shrub, <laughs> Shrub obviously, like, he has the benefit of his tenure, you know, running through the PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Obama, is the end of Obama's first term the worst post-Reagan? Yeah, Maybe. that Obama was what made me consider doing it by terms, which is way more work, but I think... Obama really has to be separated by the first and second term because the first is nuts and the second is so bad. <laughs> the second is like every bad AAA video game trend ever. Every bad yeah. modern trend ever. Like uh, physics that make your character like slide across the floor for 50 feet. Yeah. He was the Assassin's Creed, like the shitty Assassin's Creed president. Yeah, like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong though, but like during W. Bush's tenure, we got uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City yeah. and Halo Combat Evolved. All of the Halo so, games, yeah, all of the okay. classic Halo. We right. got, well, yeah, we we got uh, in one year, we got like MGS two, fucking GTA three, like Silent Hill two in 2004. This is probably why he beat Carrie. MGS three, yeah. GTA San Andreas. <laughs> Like yeah. oh, those alone. Half Life Two in that same year. I can't describe what it felt like to play Half Life Two on a Sony Vio while using an iTunes gift card your grandparents gave you to either accidentally buy Most Def's singing album or <laughs> Jay Z's not so final album. I'm gonna do some research. For, I, I think he did some Fatal Politics type shit where he like rigged it like the video game industry to reelect him. But he, um, it's not like Fatal Politics because his second term is really good too. The Rainbow okay. Six games, Splinter <laughs> yeah. Cell. The, all right, all right, all right. Greatest Splinter right, Cell games. All right, gang. We guys officially start. You're, by the way, you're listening to uh, Chapo Trap House, uh, attempting to wring content out of the cruel and futile yeah. spectacle of U.S. electoral politics. It's Monday, January fifteenth. Okay, that, that's a riff for you. I'm actually going to be writing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh no but uh, welcome to the show it's monday january 15th uh a, a mere at like i don't know probably like as we are recording this right now the people in iowa are beginning to caulk they're yeah. they're, they're, they're caulking up iowa tonight it's negative 50 degrees the heart machine has been turned up full blast but maybe there's a story maybe there's a story uh we can we can we can ring out of this there's some ju- there's some juice to be squozing um, I do like the characters, but I guess I just want to begin today's episode. By the way, joined of course by Josh Ettinger Mentum. Hello, welcome back Hi, to the everybody. show, Josh. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, I guess I just want to begin the show is just like talking about probably the, the least juice primary that's ever occurred. Like, I mean, it, this thing is on rails. I mean, there's no, there's, there's only characters. There's no stories to be had here, and of course, it's all taking place under the backdrop of. Right after we started recording, stopped recording our last episode, uh, U.S. and Great Britain uh, begins missile strikes on Yemen, and I guess I'd like to begin that. I'd like to begin with Yemen uh, today before we get into the election. I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, Biden um, expanding this conflict into a regional war to um, help facilitate Israel's total liquidation of the Gaza Strip. How do you think this? How do you think this is going to play out, fellas? Yeah. 
well, I um for the past couple months I wrote a bunch about um the stuff going like how you guys have covered it too. I wrote a bunch about the war in Gaza and the background for that. And the more I wrote about it, the more I kind of was drawn to the specific character of Joe Biden. Is I don't want to like it's very important to realize how bipartisan the pro-Israel policies are. You don't want to make it out like Biden's a single person doing this and everybody else is really reasonable. But he is really crazily biased toward he's like he has like a, I think somebody described it as like an obsession of being pro-Israel. Like I called him, I think, in one article an Israel boo. And I think that that's actually kind of insulting to real weeaboos because even yeah. they don't obsess over Japan this badly. Like the sheer length and the sheer like intensity. And, and, and do weeaboos? I just I'm sorry. Do, do weeaboos? Um, do they do they support um the imperial Japanese military? Because like this uh, would be the equivalent. Yeah, some of them. They're okay. well. <laughs> some of them do, but to reach Joe Biden's level, they would have to get like Unit Seven Thirty One tattoos. <laughs> yeah. He, Biden's like the Mishima, but like if Mishima lived in Delaware, but for Israel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, I mean, like I we could actually Mishima provides an interesting example for a way out of the Democrats electoral woes, if you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like I mean, and I, and I read your piece about like, you know, like how his failure in Palestine is the failure of administration. And, 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 you, and you lay out a lot of examples about how other administrations have, you know, in the past, like, well, as you quite correctly pointed out, like still supporting Israel 100 percent, did attempt to, you know, like sort of bring them to heel at various moments. I mean, there, and there's a famous the example that I didn't know was about how Joe Biden specifically undermined Hillary Clinton when she was secretary yeah. of state to tell Netanyahu, like, don't worry about what Hillary's talking about. We got your. Yeah, back. you can play a crazy game to figure out which politicians Biden ends up making look really reasonable and like statesmanlike with how just insanely pro-Israel he is. Like the first one that I like kind of focused on in my article was John Kerry. It's like, okay, that's a little funny. He's like the kind of this goofy centrist also, but it makes sense. He's also the VVAW guy. He has these weird personal kind of little quirks. Like it kind of makes sense that he could like have go on this little personal crusade. But Hillary was the one that really shocked me. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, there's this uh, great Mother Jones article by um, Noah Lennard that was published about a month ago about Biden's history on um, uh, be, uh, being like basically one of the top Zionists in the U.S. government for half a century. And there was this one incident in 2009 where um, Netanyahu announced a major settlement expansion while Biden was visiting the country. And Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, put Netanyahu on her uh, death list. She said that like if he doesn't reverse that decision, she will there will be like unheralded consequences for the bilateral relation and biden goes up to netanyahu while this is happening and says oh, don't worry about it i'm gonna just i'm gonna smooth it over you don't need to like and she wasn't able she he threw her completely under the bus that was hillary clinton he somehow screwed hillary from the right reading your piece josh i just like like in, in assessing like what is it about like israel that biden so fixates on like i just couldn't help get the impression that he's like was born a Dixiecrat, but came into politics mm-hmm. when that was out of fashion. And he just sort of has channeled all of the Dixiecrat instinct into just supporting Israel and the way yeah, he talks about Israel and the way he, the way he just like, as you saw in the White House statement today, marking 100 days of this conflict, like not a single mention of the, all the Palestinians who have been killed thus far. Just simply, yeah. we got to bring home the hostages. It's such a bizarre personal thing. One thing I've thought about is maybe his Catholicism kind of plays a role in it. Like his like dad, like he talks. He has two stories that he's talked about for like fifty years. He always talks about Golda Meir. He's been talking about Golda Meir for fifty years, 
It's like when he met Golda Meir in 1973 as part of a delegation from the Nixon administration. And she like said like street wisdom to him and he was totally like, like won over by it. And now he's a knockout Mac. Yams for days. (laughs) Yeah. And he hasn't changed his mind. When you you turn her upside down, she looks like a sexy lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Josh, the the other example you used that was was insane. I think this has been widely shared, but the example of Joe Biden freaking out Menachem Begin Mm-hmm. At, at like his bloodlust. Yeah, yeah. This is a really crazy story because, in case you don't know, Menachem Begin was a terrorist. He ran a terrorist group in the 1940s. Shout out Eli and, Lake. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. He had a Menachem Begin friend, shirt. Friend of the show. Out. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, he, he's been going nuts lately. But um, I, I, yeah. I, I gotta say, just as a slight digression here, I am really enjoying the reappearance of Eli Lake, a guy I haven't thought about in probably five or six years. But no, when Israel and the United States are really really opening up the throttle. Eli's back there right up, right front and center saying, I demand a boycott of South Africa until they yeah. reinstate apartheid. He has a crazy intensity. He is leaving nothing, holding nothing back. It, it is <laughs> really something else. But the other story Biden always gives to explain his support for Israel is that his dad um, talk, told him about the Holocaust when he was a kid and he was like, damn, that's crazy. And that kind of like getting to that point where you're thinking about like, the trauma that he got from his father, who was b- probably born in like 1879. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I would do. I would love. I would love to hear Joe Biden's dad explain the Holocaust. Like, yeah. if I had a time machine, I'm not like I'm not preventing Iran Contra. I'm not helping Napoleon win Waterloo. I'm not doing any of that. I'm listening to Joe Biden's dad. The only white middle class guy who, um, you know, just uh, did not fall out in the 1950s. Somehow things got worse for him. I would love to listen to that guy explain what he thinks happened. Yeah. Does he think that they uh, threw all the Jews into a molasses barrel, perhaps? Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. This was before, like, the Internet. So he was getting this all from, like, the news. Yeah. Like, newspapers. He probably like said some, it, it obviously left a great impression on him, but um, yeah, so he's been nuts on this for decades. Like there's another great sort of anecdote in the mother Jones story where um, he gave a speech at APAC that was so intense. He was like screaming and beating his chest, talking about like how much he was always going to support Israel. And it supposedly made the APAC attendees really uncomfortable, which is a feat. <laughs> I can't imagine how he even yeah. knew that. This is this is definitely one of those like white boy shocks by ordering in perfect Cantonese type things. <laughs> yeah. Gentile surprises everyone. Yeah. Outer goons them all. Yeah. It was like it, it's like the emotional intensity, the best way I could like describe it is like showing up to a suicide vest to like a Chinese restaurant and yelling in Chinese about how much you love them. Like <laughs> you should It'd be good to clip it here. I'll try to link it after the episode, but he is goes crazy. He's like screaming at the top of his lungs, like in this clip. What makes them think that in the midst of an election campaign, in the midst of a so-called peace talk, that we can publicly vilify a nation, do you think that Shamir in the middle of a re-election campaign is going to say, Mea Koopa, Mea Koopa, Mea Maxima Koopa, I am sorry, I am sorry, I am heartily sorry, I will change my mind, re-elect me. Uh, the other one is, uh, 
like, yeah, there's a Menachem Begin story where he goes to Menachem Begin and he's like, yo, if they invaded the U.S., if like they did that shit to us, I would fucking kill everybody. I would not leave anybody alive. I'd kill the children. I'd kill the women. I don't give a shit. And Menachem <laughs> Begin like had to be like, yeah, we don't. That's not what I believe. I think that you can't kill innocent people. He had to tell his the Israeli press that. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, we 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 see now like uh, the repeated assurances that they're yeah, they're focusing all their efforts on like lowering the intensity of the uh, you know atrocities taking place. But I just want to make two points about the uh, the airstrikes on Yemen. Uh, for the first is a headline from the New York Times: Much of Houthi's offensive ability remains intact after U.S.-led airstrikes. The strikes damaged the group's ability to carry out complex missile and drone attacks, U.S. officials said. But identifying targets has proved to be a challenge. Uh, next story, courtesy of the Washington Post. Navy SEALs lost at sea. <laughs> the Navy SEALs lost at sea after a shipboarding operation went awry near Somalia last week were dispatched to look for suspected Iranian weapons bound for militants in Yemen, which has become a staging ground for repeated attacks on commercial ve- vessels in the Red Sea. Two service members who went missing were preparing to board the ship in rough seas when one of them slipped from a ladder. The second sailor, seeing, the, seeing their comrade fall into water, dove in to help. The officials said on condition of anonymity to describe the early assessments. The incidents occurred Thursday in the Gulf of Aden. Aden. So that's how it's going so far for the, uh, the the coalition to protect shipping containers. But like, Felix, I guess I'm just like struck this week by like the the, the sheer arrogance of oh, some of these people demanding that like we have a coalition of the w- willing to protect shipping lanes. But just the sheer arrogance that they think that they're going to intimidate the Yemeni people with a couple airstrikes into not doing this. And also to echo our good friend Seamus, the flat refusal by our government and media to say why they're doing any of this. They're like, oh, they just they just hate these boats so much. I mean, like, I don't think there's any phrase that, um, you know, this originated as a phrase that guys that Michael Hudson would find on Facebook would say, fuck around and find out. I used to be delighted when I saw that because it meant I would see one of the guys Michael found like uh, there was this great guy who every time people in his town got mad at him, he would take a picture of him laying face down in a field to symbolize (laughs) that everyone wanted him dead. That was the kind of guy that used to say fuck around and find out. And now it's like for people who who have like uh, they are collecting unpaid internships like a guy in a prison gang gets teardrop <laughs> tattoos. They are like the moment that they were like, yeah, we're doing operation, you know, uh, Amazon prosperity Prime. guardian, <laughs> prosperity guardian, which might as, you might as well call it operation Amazon prime. Um, <laughs> yes. Just, uh, you know, Oh, well the, the Houthis fucked around and now they're about to find out. And it has been one of the most nauseating displays uh, I, I've I've ever seen, uh, mostly because of yeah, just the the willful ignorance that uh, Ian Shim has pointed out, but also just I would assume that these people, I will generously say that I think they're probably aware that there has been, let's generously call it a conflict in Yemen for the you know last near decade. More adequately, you could call it hell on earth inflicted by a western and gulf uh, coalition but i don't think they know the 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 depths that the uh saudis the uae and of course america assisting the whole thing has inflicted on them i mean it has been a complete strangulation of yemen for nine years uh 
just outright starvation, some of the worst food insecurity on the face of the planet. The only people who seem to be doing triple taps besides Israel regularly. But I just can't imagine that the Navy SEALs, um, you know, doing Three Stooges stuff in the sea <laughs> are, are, are going to be the thing that causes Ansar Allah to throw down their arms. And uh, even more farcical, I've uh, seen a lot of invocations from the globe emoji set. A lot of invocations defending the, quote, legitimate government of Yemen, who there's like oh uh, controls God. like, yeah, they're just like, oh, uh, like the, the Houthis aren't Yemen. They don't represent Yemen. It's just like, no, no, merely the vast majority of the population and like where everyone lives in that country. And then the rest of it is controlled by like Saudis who live in hotel rooms. Yeah. I mean, like, I just I, I don't know how this ends. I mean, I guess like it could be one of those things where the Navy screws around for like a few weeks and declares victory. That seems like the best possible outcome. But uh, yeah, I just I have no way of calling this because um, they they themselves don't even really think that they're doing deterrence here. Yeah, there is um, a tweet by um, uh, uh, James Stradivis, who is on Twitter, and he uh, summarized the recent like strike by saying the good news is that no one was injured. The bad news is they obviously have not gotten the message to cease and desist, probably going to require additional military strikes to discourage them. It's literally just saying, the, like Noah Cohen, like quote tweet saying, the missile strikes didn't work. Time for more missile strikes. They have no, yeah, they have no, they have no fucking clue what they're doing other than to just like, we have to keep supporting Israel. And I guess that leads us to the Iowa caucuses mm-hmm. and the miserable state of uh, contemporary, the state of our democracy. But I, I want to be, I want to begin with the Iowa caucus is by just acknowledging that like, this is a race for second place, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I guess I'll just begin by saying, and you know, I want to preface this by saying, whenever I say this, people always assume it's because I want him to be president or I think he's cool. And only the latter is true. But Trump, in my opinion, is cooking right now. He yeah. is cooking up some marvelous shit. And I got two, two words. This is how I know. This is how I know Trump is in fighting shape right now. Food and phantom. Those two elements combining. He's showing up giving, he's showing up with big boxes of pizzas for the firefighters. Whenever Trump is around food, he's raring to go. And then even better than that, he is filling, filling rooms in Iowa right now full of corn feds and blasting the movie soundtrack, not the Broadway recording of Phantom of the Opera to them. The Gerard Butler version of Phantom of the Opera, not the original cast recording. The man is ready to go. He is unstoppable. And surrender to your darkest dreams. Put your thoughts of the light you knew before. Close your eyes and let your spirit strong. It's just, it's so loud. <laughs> he's a huge, people don't like, he's a huge Broadway guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, huge. No, it's like um, one of the most important things in his life. Yeah, but that's you can't psychoanalyze him without like having watched the movie, like the cats, several times. No, he yeah, his victory speech. He's going to come out to cats. He's going to it's going to be negative fifty degrees. People are going to be <laughs> losing digits. They're going to be going insane. But uh, we we haven't we haven't done we haven't really uh, talked about Trump recently. But uh, Chris, you you have curated just some quick hits of some recent fire from uh, Donald. So let's just let's just take a let's just take a look and just some of the energy he's bringing these days. Okay, this is from the presentation he gave 
that he was led into by that very same phantom music. I could read that teleprompter all day long. <laughs> Biden can't even read the teleprompter. The other day, Matt, he's given a, a, a thing. He's a news conference because he hasn't had one in about six years or something. Can't have it. You can't have a news. So he picks a, he goes, Bill from NBC, NBC, over uh, so the guy asked him a very simple question, like about vanilla ice cream. <laughs> but then they actually asked him a question about a border or something. So he goes, they ask him a question, Bill from NBC, they ask him a question. Um, the border is very strong. Uh, it's very normal. <laughs> and things are going very well on the border. Oh, thank you very much for the news conference. Thank you. And then he walks into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's this is vintage form for him. Yeah, there is a headline I saw the other day that really like felt like something out of 2015. It was Trump sounds off on the Civil War again, goes after John McCain and criticizes magnets. That is, <laughs> <laughs> he was once again, once again shitting on John McCain. Yeah, uh, I've got him on the Civil War. I actually really like the, this one. I don't want to make because she also said, you know, they asked her about the Civil War. Why did it start? How did it start? She didn't use the word slavery, which was interesting. I don't know that it's it's going to have an impact, but you know, I'd say slavery is sort of the obvious answer. Supposed to supposed to about three paragraphs <laughs> of bullshit. She just talked. Nobody knew what she was saying. He was totally right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, uh. I, I like. Do you have the uh, magnets thing? Because I don't know where he was going with that. Yeah, I have the quote. Yeah, where he said. Yeah, <laughs> he, said, he says uh, when the magnetic elevators think of it, magnets. Now all I know about magnets is this: give me a glass of water, let me drop it on the magnets, and that's the end of magnets. <laughs> <laughs> He's like dissing them. He's like, they're not shit. They ain't shit. How did that come up? Like, what is that like in reference to? I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know if it matters. I I like that. He like that. His instinct was to say that like magnets aren't like they're overrated. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you you may like like, their adhesion to one another, but get them wet. Nope. Fall apart. Worthless. Yeah, I don't think that's even true. I think no, he's I, just I, I don't think so either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they still work. When the magnetic elevators, think of it, magnets. Now, all I know about magnets is this. Give me a glass of water. Let me drop it on the magnets. That's the end of the magnets. Why didn't they use John Deere? Why didn't they bring in the John Deere people? Do you like John Deere? I like John Deere. Uh, Chris, wait, Chris, do you, have, do, you have, do you have the one more where he calls Washington, D.C. a rat-infested shithole? I do have that. Yes, mm-hmm. one second. We'll fire it. Then we'll get into Haley and DeSantis. And we will take over the horribly run capital of our nation. Horribly run. We have a capital that we all love right now. It's a rat-infested, graffiti-infested <laughs> shithole. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> I, I always forget about graffiti infested as well. And the mm-hmm. pop he gets when he was like, our nation's capital is a shithole. They're like, yeah. Woo, all right. Yeah. All right, so so that, that's that's Trump. But like, uh, Josh, is, is Nikki Haley like, is she the is she the favorite to be number two tonight? Oh, yeah. Well, the, um, the big thing that came out that like I, I this was like at the point where people like who like make a living out of following elections were making fun of people for caring about this. Uh, there was the Seltzer poll, the famous poll that the Pete Buttigieg people spiked in 2020 because um, it showed Bernie ahead. It came out. This is like a pollster that it's like 
basically like black magic level. They're always right at that state. Like they basically get the results early. Uh, they showed a uh, Haley ahead of uh, like Trump, obviously really far ahead of them both at 48%. Uh, but Haley was in second place at 20% and DeSantis was at like 13. Uh, so like odds are, unless there's some crazy thing with turnout because of the weather, that will be how it goes. And that will be, a really crushing blow for DeSantis. This was supposed to be, this was like the state he was investing in. It was not supposed to be one where Haley would do well, but like coming in third is just like, it's beyond terrible for him. But the interesting thing is that Haley is doing this with a coalition that does not like her, does not care about her and is half, not even really Republicans. Uh, They have the lowest enthusiasm levels of any uh, like candidate in the race. And half of them say that they'll vote for Biden over Trump. But th- that is still a larger demographic than DeSantis has. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess like the point you make about Nikki Haley is that like, I mean, she's, she's obviously not running for president. She's, but she's doing a good job of running for increased stature in the Republican yeah. Party because she is feeling that, that kind of position of being like, oh, I'm not Donald Trump. I'm a responsible Republican, but remains yeah. well-liked by Republicans because she has avoided talking about trump or is it like is it how has she positioned herself in that regard? yeah i think that what she has gotten which i think is really remarkable i think um she's one of the probably the more successful politicians over the past year given where she started is that she set herself up very well to be the i told you so candidate in case trump loses because if trump ends up losing the biden somehow if he if that happens haley will be the person who will just be able to say oh i told you so i said he wasn't electable i said he was a bozo who made the deficit too big and wasn't nice to her allies, uh, I would have won. And she will, she's right. She probably would have won in that circumstance. So that is like the thing that will position her very strongly going into like uh, 2028 or beyond that. And the thing is, is that was, is what DeSantis was supposed to be. The worst case scenario for DeSantis, if he didn't just outright win, is that he would be the future guy in case Trump loses. He doesn't even have that anymore partially because Haley is going to outdo him, like very likely outdo him, and partially because he's actually not even polling better than Trump. His numbers have been consistently worse than Trump over the past like six months, which is... Yeah, he, the, it, yeah. He's managed to make himself the least liked politician in America. Yeah, without having governed America, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't done anything. <laughs> I mean, they're like... What like whatever happens in this Iowa caucus tonight? Like it's, it's just I mean the last time we talked about you is like we said it was gonna be the last time we're gonna talk about Ron DeSantis. But whatever happens in Iowa, like the headline is Ron DeSantis, America's biggest failure. Yeah, I created an award um, that I will use for the foreseeable future called the Ron DeSantis Award for Political Failure. Uh, that wasn't very like probably like hard to guess who got it last year, but I, I want to commemorate that because. Like I posted, like I think before coming on this, the New York uh, Post uh, headline the, from the midterms last year that just said "de future," and like I feel like people could see that as me making fun of them, but that was warranted. He did. He came into the last year in such an amazing position. He did legitimately really well in Florida. He looked like he had like a really strong profile, and now he's just like the awkward guy who nobody likes and. Like, it's just, it's personally his fault in a way that you rarely see at this level of polarization in politics. It's, you don't usually see people's personalities have this level of an impact, but he was just that uncompelling to people that he broke through. And you could tell the tension, like, building. And the, the tension building, and that, like, by, like, evidence of which, I mean, like, 
the lengths with which he was willing to go to degrade himself to like mm-hmm. appear two inches taller or yeah. uh, capable of talking to a human being. Like, I mean, the lifts, the, the cowboy shoe lifts. They had him walking bow legged like uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't how I don't know how tall DeSantis is. Uh, I think he's like five, eight or something. Uh, Trump is six, three. So he's actually probably lucky that Trump didn't show up at the debates. That would not have looked very good. <laughs> So I guess it's like Haley there, but how about um, uh, Vivek? You know, like, yeah. is, is, is America's Vivek moment also rapidly drawing to a close? Yeah. That's, uh, that was really disappointing because I thought that, that looked really interesting for a bit because he was like polling. He was like, I think he and Haley were the only ones who understood that they couldn't really win this year. And like the point was just establishing a profile. And Vivek actually like looked really good there for a moment. He was polling like at over 10%, but uh, the debates killed him. He was so annoying in debates. I think like um, people, there were like some surveys that like pulled people before and after, and he consistently had worse numbers after the debates. He like hurt himself. So a uh, groperism is not like, yeah. Cause like, for now. That, that's mm-hmm. kind of what was interesting to me about Vivek because he, um, this was sort of um, the first, uh, you know, you could make Blake masters out to be one of those early uh, Luftwaffe jet airplanes that was like three three feet long mm-hmm. and looked like it would explode the moment it got off the runway he was the prototype in like a very the only internet candidate he is only focused on internet shit vivek was the refinement of this and it looked like he was actually like you know obviously yeah no one thought he would win the whole thing but it seemed like he was doing very well at positioning himself to either be like you know, the head of the party in 2028 or to maybe be like, uh, you know, Trump's uh, like the anti-wokeness ambassador. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and ambassador to Harvard. Yeah, he did. the He did the Internet thing better than anyone has ever done it. Like, mm-hmm. I sincerely believe he sat down and studied his groupers. Yeah. He collected them all. But. Yeah, the moment he he got out on the stage, it was just, yeah, everyone realized um, maybe he was a little too good at the internet stuff. Yeah, and he also, he got out-interneted. I think the, um, like in any history of this, the I edge to you, Vivek, has to be an important part of his story, because he, like, never had a response to that. Yeah. And that, that was a real grassroots movement. <laughs> I've, been, I've been interested in uh, Vivek's recent strategy of, Making the case to voters that um, he stands with Donald Trump 100 percent, but that they should still vote for him. I like mm-hmm. that the the reason he's come around on is that they should vote for him to save Donald Trump's life because yeah. either being president will kill him or the deep state will assassinate him. So, he's yeah, like vote for me. Like I'm young, I'm I'm spry, and you know, like I can withstand uh, either you know uh, uh, the ravages of age or an assassination attempt. Yeah, there was like a clip of like him talking to an old woman and like a very like kind of whispering to her like, "Look, we love Trump, but they're not going to let him do it. They're going to take him out." And it was so morbid. <laughs> I like he's he's so like if he legitimately believed that, I would love him because <laughs> it's like it's so it's like are you carry you? from yakuza you're so self-sacrificing my life isn't worth that much i'm gonna dive in front of the bullet for donald trump but i mean yeah just he he's he's just a great operator that is the Mm -hmm. best that is i will say the best response anyone has come up with for the question of like okay if you're if you agree with trump on everything why you instead of trump 
That's pretty yeah. genius. Yeah, they're he... going to actually kill him. They hate yeah. him too much. But not me. They'll like I they I'll be able to sneak by them. Yeah. He's a, oh. he could have been a really perfect figure for our times cuz he had the money in the exact way some bullshit like 0% interest rate like biotech company. Yeah, he w- he had one of those companies where they're like uh they leak to the press like oh in preliminary trials we you know we found a way to you know either annihilate colon cancer in in people's bodies or give it to somebody we found a way to give it to your employees yeah (laughs) wait does he have one of those companies where you can mail them your shit and they'll tell you if you're uh, at risk for colon cancer no he doesn't run 23 and (laughs) me so likely so going going into new hampshire it's just going to be like all that's the real shit that's actually like microdosing a real election there (laughs) yeah it's like yeah that one haley actually does have kind of a chance to win because christie dropped out and uh, supposedly like 80% of Christie's voters want to go to her because she's the rhino candidate. And uh, I think we're at like kind of the point where like um, no matter what happens, Trump will kind of get like his LBJ 1968 moment there because even if he doesn't like win, he looks like he's only in track to win like by 10 points maximum, which would be like actually kind it could be like an earthquake. If there was any other state in the country that was like New Hampshire, there's no other place that is similar to it in the Republican primary. So Haley could actually have a pretty impressive showing there, but there's no other places that are similar to it. So her ceiling looks really limited. Winning a state, like if she ends up winning there, that would be like pretty impressive. I think like she in the media obviously loves her. They blow her up a lot, but uh, she's. I think she's already set herself up quite nicely. I don't know if Trump will make her her his VP, uh, but like if Trump loses, she is in a good position, which is like a lot like a pretty big accomplishment for somebody like who hasn't been in public office since 2018. The, um, the New Hampshire is like, um, in some ways they're the dumbest voters in the nation because they vote exactly along the recommended lines of like U S news and world report. Yeah. They are, they're, they're, they're really annoying. I, I do not. Like oh my them. God. Yeah. They're I remember, awful. I remember when we canvassed New Hampshire. It's just like the New Hampshire primary is like, Several hundred thousand people who all think themselves independent, but really just want to mm. extract confession, extract concessions from anyone who talks to them because it's yeah. like once every four years, it's just like, oh, everyone has to think about New Hampshire. Historically, they are fucking infuriated. They're like, oh, well, let's vote for Amy Klobuchar now. It's like, no, fucking kill yourself. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, they are like, <laughs> they're, they're the Walder phrase of American democracy. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. That is a Yes. Just a flinty, stubborn, uh, just like willing to prosecute any grievance or grudge, trying to marry off all their daughters, you know, but just basically wants to wring as much out of anyone's attention as is possible. Yeah, it was kind of perfect that they liked John McCain. And like and controlling the that bridge is like being the second primary. That's it. Oh, That's yeah. the thing they have. John McCain was like the Mahdi for them. That was their <laughs> perfect fucking guy. Yeah, they loved him. They made him a national figure. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we cannot sell. We cannot sell New Hampshire off to China quick enough. Yeah, I don't know what they'll do with it, but they get suck. rid of it. Yeah, they're also a state where Biden is doing bizarrely well. Like right now, he's up there by like ten points. They, they don't fuck with Trump. They don't like him. Well, yeah, probably, probably, they, probably be because they have long. They all have long memories about like the repeated insults to John McCain's wartime uh, yeah. piloting abilities oh God, and injuries he sustained be being tortured. Well, well, that, that might that, actually be it. No, that no, that's weird though because Trump did amazing there in 2016, which was yeah. sort of like that's when he was hot off the trail of uh, because he lost in Iowa. They were like, "Ooh, let's yeah. be clever. Let's vote for the guy who lost." Ooh, we're so fucking smart. 
I hate them. I hate them so much. They're <laughs> awful. Like I remember like Iowa, I remember walking away despite like how fucked up the Iowa primary was and how they they did the Daniel yeah. Cormier towel trick to Bernie. They I, I I remember watching interviews with caucus goers in 2020 and like the Biden people who who were get losing in like ninth place. Yeah. They were losing to like write-ins. And I watched the Biden voters in Iowa. They were just like, well, we'll just see how this shakes out. And it was just so delightful and charming to me. They were There's this insane clip. I don't know if I dreamed this or not, but it was on CNN, like live coverage of the caucuses. And they were like going to the different groups of these voters at this one place. And the Biden group was all like these guys who looked like they were 17, just like screaming and hollering like a bunch of frat guys. Like, yeah, we love Joe. Like they were like doing some <laughs> elaborate bit. I want to know where those guys are now. I have not stopped thinking about that. Uh, yeah, anyway, like Iowa, it, it does suck. Um, and I think the Democratic primary, um, New Hampshire kicked Biden off the ballot for um, moving the reading of the primary, making South Carolina first. Uh, so that you would think that would be like a possibility for Dean Phillips or something to um, like just win by default there. But the stupid cucked voters there are probably going to write in Biden to win anyway. It's so lame. Uh, I mean, like we we have we have got to have a primary system where all states vote on the same day, or every mm-hmm. year it's a lottery. Yeah. So we just mix it up because I'm so I'm so sick of these these corn feds and these New Hampshire or these New Hampshireites. I don't even know what you call them. Uh, just like not even good enough to be a Stephen King character because they live in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. This yeah, the way that the presidential primary is laid out, it is like a Ubisoft game trying to pad for length. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. the o- open world system of politics. Yeah, Nevada's the escort mission. <laughs> yeah, South Carolina sucked. They kept on glitching. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Biden yeah. did wall hacks in South Carolina. It was fake. South Carolina was so glitched out that Pete beat Warren in, in the <laughs> black vote. Yeah. <laughs> So like you know like this thing is on rails it, it's going to be trump biden and you know another another grim horrible reenactment of how stuck and miserable everything is but like look my instincts right now was like just eyeball test what i'm seeing from trump i i think this guy's cruising into his second term however josh i do want to acknowledge that i, I think you have a good point about the limits of the kind of campaign trump is running now in 2024 mm-hmm. and i was like it's just like Rather, like you talk about, like his choice to focus on basically just like grievance and anger, rather than like many of the issues in which he has a quite a you know significant advantage over Joe Biden. Yeah. So if you look at like polling right now, Trump is preferred over Biden on pretty much every issue besides abortion, which uh, oh wow could make you and like protecting democracy or however they phrase it. But he's especially preferred, and this was what I think is really interesting on foreign policy. He has a big edge on Biden over almost every foreign policy issue because um and this is a, there's another really significant part of that that I I'll get to later because people think of him as more competent than Biden which is hard for people to really kind of wrap their heads around because that wasn't the dynamic at all in 2020 but you have to like the other stuff is saying that most people think that Biden is too old to be president they think that like he doesn't have it he's like 81 years old he like physically is not up for the job. They think that Trump is more spry and energetic and with it. So they think that he'll be more like uh, capable of projecting strength and managing crises. And every time that there's another war that happens, the more this reputation gets solidified. 
the Ukraine thing dragging on looks makes Biden look incompetent. The Israel thing erupting makes him look even worse. The war expanding makes him look even worse. So it's like it's a very bizarre way of thinking about it. But Trump would actually be best if he tried to steal Biden's own branding as the kind of quiet competence figure. Like he's the guy who you just like um, put in there and you hear about mean tweets, but generally stuff is kind of peaceful like it was during his first term. I don't think he can conceptualize himself in that way because he's so hooked up to all these internet dark MAGA shit that like make it this like black and white thing where like Biden is like a demon from hell. Most people don't like really think about Biden that much or they're just thinking that he's generally not good at being president and that Trump presided over a more like peaceful kind of successful presidency until COVID happened. And the part of that is that people are starting to see him actually as a moderate again. People used to see him as very conservative and ideological during his late presidency, which is why I think he did so poorly. But now people see him as kind of like this new Trump who like is corrupt and crass and like power hungry, but he's like a bad cop who gets shit done. It's like a classic kind of 2000s like prestige media archetype. Like he's a like he's Tony Soprano, Walter White. Yeah, he's Walter White. And like literally they see him as like a like a like a torture genius. If that's how the median voter sees Trump, it's really bizarre. But you have to kind of get into like this different headspace. And Biden focusing on the economy, which is like and raising the salience of his worst issue and looking totally out of touch, really helped with that. So all that stuff kind of came together to change the polling from a slight Biden lead to now what we've seen, like small to moderately robust Trump leads. But the biggest thing holding Trump back is how right wing he is and how right right wing his record is. So you have some states where they're more suburban and more kind of affluent like kind of soccer mom voters like Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Trump is polling extremely well right now. He's actually polling very poorly in Northern industrial swing states. He's outright down in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. He's doing better in Michigan, but that's like the polling there is like, it's a bit strange. Like you kind of have to use some common sense there. Uh, And the really great thing about that is that if Trump totally sweeps all of his 2020 states, wins Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada, but he loses Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He loses by a single electoral vote, 270 to 268. It's going to be a squeaker, that's for sure. But like, mm-hmm. I guess just like when you present the case for why, like, why the public has essentially a fixed view of Biden as, I'm sorry, a doddering old fool. And if you mm-hmm. want to go further than that, one who is not just presiding over, but helping carry out probably one of the most evil things that's ever I've ever had the displeasure of being alive to uh, live through or experience in some remote, distant way. But like, they, like the, the way we, like Democratic partisans talk about this is that they're just like, oh, like this, people are so stupid. It's so unfair. How could you possibly think this about, you know, that Trump mm-hmm. is more moderate than Biden or that he presided over a more peaceful country or better economy? And it's just like, Turn on your fucking TV. I know you can like uh, make quibble with each one of these things, but like look at the fucking world right now. And it's not just that like all these wars are happening. It's that like we're being humiliated in all of them. We're being humiliated mm-hmm. right now. I mean, the Ukraine thing is a disaster, um, but but Israel especially like they're they're pissing in our mouth right now and on the world stage. And Biden is just like, oh, I'll, I'll have a I'll have a stern talking to them again tomorrow. I mean, even if you don't like, even if you're not like. Uh, especially motivated by the morality of this issue. 
just as as like the stewardship of state of the American state and our military, how can you how can you expect the average person to look at what Biden's doing right now and be like, a okay, we love it more, please? Yeah, and that's the thing that like people try to make this a question of the economy. Like, oh, people are just distracted by TikTok. They don't realize all the good that Biden's done. And yeah, his numbers on the economy are bad, but it wasn't inflation that made him so unpopular. It was the it was how he butchered the fall of Afghanistan, which was one of his better decisions. But it, he looked like an incompetent bozo who couldn't like get stuff like he couldn't manage things when things were like a bit like less hectic in 2022. There was really only the Ukraine war going on, which people kind of agreed on his position with. His numbers went up, and he was at the start of 2023. He actually had a lot of momentum, but he totally crashed and burned, and has fallen to record low approval, like worst numbers of his entire presidency as the international situation has deteriorated over the past number of months. He's below 40% now. He's trailing the Trump in the polls. And if like if Trump went on like a new Trump kind of thing where he, I think that he has benefited a lot from siphoning himself off in um, his own social media app where people don't see him. He's kept himself out of sight, out of mind. And that he obviously is very easy to go after like he's not like a formidable candidate, but if the Biden people keep on talking themselves into a circle and just acting like, like we're entitled to people believing that we're good, this is an obvious choice. Like they're going to give a huge opening for him to present himself in a way that actually is compelling the people, which he never has been able to. He's always been very unpopular. Is there any, I mean, I know like one of your other big losers in all this is Kamala Harris, but like, is mm-hmm. there, is there any chance that like he does, the thing that basically he said he was going to do when he was elected is just be like the one term caretaker president. Get rid, you know, we stopped Trump, but I'm going to hand it off to like someone younger and like who can, you know, or just like I've done my job. I, you know, I got us out of COVID or whatever and I, I got rid of Trump. Is there any chance that they just get him to the convention and then he bows out and they give it to like, I don't know, Michelle Obama or Hillary or something? No, I, um, there doesn't seem to be any indication that he seems really committed to doing this. Which, like, it sucks because you have to actually kind of consider his own personal psychology here, which, again, is very humiliating. Like, I don't like having to think about the inter- like the inside of this guy who was elected during the Nixon administration any more than I, like, ever should. Uh, but, like, there's not, like, I, one guy, I actually, I don't know if you guys have talked about Dean Phillips, but he is, like, this random, like, total, like, backbencher, irrelevant congressman who torpedoes his, his own career to, want to, to run a campaign saying that Biden was too old and people didn't like him and he was probably going to lose. And he's been totally shut out by the Democratic establishment. They make fun of him constantly, which I always find very like distasteful because it's like, yeah, this guy who's down by like 30, 50 points in the polls is probably going to lose. Like you don't need to brag about it all the time. He's he's trying to make a point that could be something you could try to do. He at least there's some kind of like pathos to what he's doing. And he's correct. Well, fear, fear not. His campaign was just given a million dollars by Bill Ackman. And that guy yeah. knows how to pick winners. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. D- Dean Phillips, the herbal life of this campaign. But yeah, but Josh, you're right. It's like whether it's like uh, their, their attacks on like candidates that obviously are not or are just protest candidates that are not like a threat to Biden's, you know, getting the nomination. It's just like their sheer their sheer arrogance and indignance that anyone would want want a candidate different than Biden, I mean, like for any reason. I mean, like you, yeah, I, I saw one, I saw one Democratic mouthpiece describe um, Arab and Muslim voters refusing to vote for Biden as quote a temper tantrum. Yeah, and like I mean, like that that's really how they feel about like about about Biden, and they just like 
It's just the anger with which they react to people's like not even like I'm not even like someone like me who says if you vote for Biden, you're lower than dog shit in my eyes. Mm -hmm. But like just someone who's just like, uh, you know, maybe he could be doing a better job or like, can we, is it, should, shouldn't we have another candidate to vote for? Or just like, maybe I'm not like 100 percent thrilled about the job he's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like they, I, it's be very interesting if they keep like that attitude, because right now Michigan does look like it's going to be the state that will decide the election. Uh, oh man very close yeah. oh man i can't wait to see some of the outreach that's going to be done i can't wait mm -hmm. i can't wait to see the it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of meetings with community leaders i'm sure he's going to yeah, be he's very active going and, there to meet with yeah. them this week that's going to be something. oh that should be great mm -hmm. looks like what like again the outer i think it's going to work what does think he think gonna, he's going to say to them i think it's going to work i think he's got it yeah well uh so as long as we get the the, uh, the democratic primary um <laughs> I don't know. Is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. still running as a Democrat? Yeah, he is. is. He, he got in the battle in Utah. He's going full steam ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, today is, of course, uh, Martin Luther King Day. And I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the story about mm -hmm. RFK Jr. defends Kennedy administration wiretap of Martin Luther King. Uh, it's just sort of like, once again, Robert, K Robert F. K RFK Jr., who's he running for here? Like, who is the, who is the ideal Robert F. Kennedy Jr. voter? Where he's just like, oh, like, yeah, like, uh, we were right to wiretap. <laughs> We were right to, and if you read the article, it's just basically he's saying that J. Edgar Hoover wanted to destroy Martin Luther King for being a communist, so we allowed him to wiretap him to prove that he wasn't a communist. That kind of fire, RFK. I, I get it. I get <laughs> yeah. it. I, I get it. Actually, I know. I I kind of get his point. I mean, yeah, it's moronic, and I mean, most of all, like a lot of RFK's positions, needless. You know, this was not a thing that, like, no one, not even R RFK's idiotic voters were like, he needs to have a position on the wiretapping of MLK. Yes. Like, I need to know where he stands on this. Yeah, that his but, dad did. Yeah. It's like, moronic, needless. Honest. Interesting and honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that is the thing that I, is hard for people. To, people have kind of saw like that he's polling at 20 percent and have just kind of swept that under the rug. Like, OK, we can't really consider this. This is a bit too much. But I think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways because we're basically we have two incumbents. I saw like one clip of an RFK video that actually made it kind of click for me where he was saying like Biden and Trump are talking about like how much they've done for this country. But I've been around places and it actually sucks. And I was like, oh, I kind of, I get it. I kind of get it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he has a certain appeal to like people who uh, claim the same thing keeps happening to them at different restaurants and they're yelling mm -hmm. views. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I can see it. And that, honestly, that's at least one fifth of Americans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're not like really committed to either party. And you're one of the a lot of people who disapprove of both Trump and Biden, and you don't want them to be elected president. He's going out there. He's like the one thing that he does talk about constantly that I also think is pretty smart is housing, where he's like housing was bad under both Trump and Biden. They don't have a solution for it. It's like, you know what? That's that's kind of true. That's yeah. correct. Like you suck. But like, that's right. Like it was bad. These, it did suck. Like stuff has been pretty miserable. I guess one more note about uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I, I believe today was the much-touted announcement of Charlie Kirk's takedown of Martin Luther King in the Civil Rights Act. I'll be looking Finally. forward to seeing what's in, what's yeah. in that. Yeah, he did it. They no, he did it? it? Yep. Yeah. So we're <laughs> taking down the statue on the National Ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, got, well, I didn't uh, expect it, but he did a good job. 
Well, uh, best of best of luck to Charlie on that. We'll be, I'll be I'll be waiting to see uh, what what he came out with. But I don't know. I mean, I guess just like or, I don't know. Final thoughts going into like uh, just just a truly depressing spectacle of a Trump Biden general election. I, I yeah. mean, is this going to be a record low turnout election? I mean, I guess this is why. I am committed to uh, not voting in this election because I think it's like the only rational moral choice one can make. And I think like I would like to see an election where the majority of Americans don't vote. You're not going to help the RFK party get federal funding. I mean, look, well, yeah, if, it, if, it, if it breaks it off and Biden's old asshole, then yes, I hope he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, is that that's the most frustrating about it is that they could be really killing it here. Like they ha- there's polling out there that shows like, well, Biden's down by eight in Michigan. The governor there, Whitmer, is up by five. Uh, the New York Times polling had a g- generic Democrat up by like 15 points in every swing state. They're really pushing really hard for Biden. And I think you just have to kind of assume they know something that we don't, which is that he's going to become a really, really good president in his second term. <laughs> he just needed some time to like on the job. and But he's going to be like LBJ next time around. Like he's going to be doing statesman shit. I knew it. Yeah. Or <laughs> Kamala could. Kamala being like the greatest president of all time is something I've thought about a lot lately. I think that that would be a great way to end this past 25 years where like the Venn diagram lady gets in there and it's just instantly just like a like master of the Senate shit, like solves every like solves the Israel-Palestine crisis. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. Uh, I, 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 I love that idea. Her is like almost like a Tito figure. Yeah, or like H.W. Bush or something. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of like Kamala ordering the last U.S. troops out of Okinawa. Yeah. Like it, like coronating a new era of the end of the empire. Like yeah. nationalizing healthcare and stuff. Yeah. That would be the greatest ending. Yeah, she like uh, she creates like Israel Stein. She like somehow <laughs> pulls off that deal that Gaddafi wanted to do, where they eliminate Switzerland. Yes, that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should eliminate Switzerland. Yeah, she creates like a new it's world like, order or something. It's like the Kamala era. Uh. She does. She does Gaddafi's United States of Africa. <laughs> yeah, she she never communicated through email. That was the trick. <laughs> All right. Well. Let's let's wrap yeah. it up. Let's leave it there for today. Uh, if you if you're if you're in Iowa right now, caulking, uh, just just stay caulking, stay warm. Don't mm-hmm. but just don't stop the caulk. Uh, Josh, thank you for joining us. If people want uh, to read to read more, Josh and and Germentum, uh, they should check out your Substack. Uh, yeah. Links will be available in the show description. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy year. We had a good 2023. Uh, more lists, or you have to come. I'm going to get back on the art of losing. Uh, it's the place to be for the election. I was right in 2022. I was right last year. Hopefully I'll be right again. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Do you have any more uh, subjects in the art of losing pipeline? Blake Masters is the one that I'm always like kind of keeping on. I, I'm going to like probably work for years on a Bernie one. Like I'm going to have to like do some deep studying for that. It's going to be like 50,000 words. <laughs> uh, DeSantis Coda will be good. Uh, I already have like the Biden one written out in my mind. Uh, I, I, I think in general, I was really leaning towards um Biden losing for the past couple of months because his people are, it's like he's running the Hasbara campaign. Like it's the <laughs> same people who are like in charge of that, that are in charge of his thing. It's like, yeah, there's no way they, they can do this. But when I was writing the Chris Rufo article, like two weeks ago, 
I kind of realize that the perfect ending has to be these people somehow losing the Joe Biden. So I'm kind of on that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang. Uh, I actually have a, I, I have a quick plug. Uh, I will be in uh, San Francisco next week, Wednesday, the January 24th, with the Talking Simpsons podcast as part of San Francisco Sketch Fest. Links to that will be in the description. We will be uh, at uh, 7.30, Wednesday, January 24th, spending 90 minutes trying to uh, sell the audience to get in on the ground floor of an exciting new urban transportation project. Uh, related to the Simpsons. So, uh, Shout out to Talking Simpsons, boys. So uh, if you're in San Francisco, come through next Wednesday. Yeah, um, one last thing. Uh, I think I think we're about ready to announce this now. Um, mm-hmm. Sometime in spring, Josh and I and our friend uh, Spencer, we've, we've been working on a very exciting project for this show. We are, mm-hmm. um, I've alluded to it before, but it is a very exhaustive deep dive into the history of conservative media. All your favorite guys, Steven Crowder, Jeremy Boring, Rod Dreher, you know, people that a lot of you were too young for, like James Dobson, everyone who's ever put on a dress, everyone who's ever put an Amazon AirTag on their wife. A really delightful guy who took out every senator who ever investigated the CIA and sounded exactly like Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Yes. all And died in paralyzation and pain. All of these guys, all of these guys and more, we will delve into the star making process of the conservative megastar. Uh, we will we will cover the careers of several and we will reach a conclusion that I believe a lot of you will find very interesting. Mm-hmm. This is a six part series and we uh, yeah, no, we, we cannot wait. Yeah. Excellent. Love to hear it. That is the uh, semi-official announcement of a Felix Josh miniseries sometime in the spring. We'll also have Movie Mindset Season 2 sometime coming up. Mm -hmm. And we will have a special video miniseries coming up, I think, pretty soon, too. Uh, All this on the Patreon and more. We're we're sticking with the miniseries model into this year. So stay with us. It's the future. It really just works. Mm -hmm. To the moon, everybody. All right. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Again with me, a strange duet. My power over you grows stronger yet. And though you turn from me to glance behind the phantom of the opera. Inside your mind.